Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in mobile development for Xamarin developers covering the world of Xamarin, .NET, Azure, and more. I'm Matt Sokup. And I'm James Montemagno. Matt, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing super duper awesome, James, because it is our one year podcast anniversary. Oh my goodness, it is, isn't it? I, I totally forgot. It yeah, it totally is. And we are separated today. You're you're at home. I'm here in a studio and there's cake everywhere. I brought tons of cake in to celebrate and you're missing it. Oh my goodness, are you serious? No way, no way. No, no I'm 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 joking, but I wish I did. I could totally go for some cake right now. I remember when we released uh, Xamarin 4. Uh, I think it was Xamarin 4. Yeah, back in the Xamarin 3. Back in the day, like in the Xamarin days, we'd have these big sort of monolithic releases, right? So it'd be like Xamarin 2, Xamarin 3, Xamarin 4. And it was a combination of like a, a years or so worth of work. And usually it was announced at a, Evolve or sometimes in between Evolve. And what was cool about this is it was a huge webinar and like huge announcements that were like multiple products. I think Xamarin 4 was like yeah, insights and test cloud stuff and I don't know, a bunch of new like, you know, remoted Iowa simulator stuff and all this jazz, right? And we did all these community events, which was which was really fun. And we encouraged people to make birthday cakes for Xamarin. And uh, at least in Seattle, uh, I printed off and they made a Xamagon, like a Xamagon cake and printed the big Xamagon 4 on it. And I remember other people had done a bunch that had like monkeys all over it. It was it was super fun. I wish that I have to find that blog post. But uh, I, I love the idea of like custom cakes for like logos and things like that. <laughs> like just so cool. I totally did that for my user group. I went to the went to the bakery and had them took a picture of the Xamagon and said, put this on a cake. And we did. And here's here's the worst part on the drive over from the bakery to the user group, like the cake slid around and the Zamagon got all smushed up, but still tweeted it, still had Jamie retweeted out on the Xamarin HQ logo. So our the Xamarin HQ Twitter account, so it still made it out there. But yeah, it was a little smushed up. It was like more of a triangle. The, the six six sided kind of got smushed to three. But hey, I tried. <laughs> yeah, you tried. That's all, that's all you can do is you can try and hope that it works. So, uh, yeah, I hope, hope everything else is going good. So this is your is this technically your second um, winter in Seattle? Yeah, it's going to be the second one or Seattle winters are really like Wisconsin springtimes. So it's really not that bad. And um, the worst part, though, is that something that nobody told me about is how dark it gets up here. So like it's oh, yeah. dark until seven o'clock in the morning maybe even later, and then it doesn't, sun sets again at what, three in the afternoon, or at least it feels that way. So no, everybody talks about the rain. It's the darkness that um, really is the big problem up here. So what do you think? We're recording, and I believe that we are almost on the shortest day of the year. I think it's coming up, and it's about to flip back over, and we'll gain some time. But uh, I just came back from our honeymoon and that was the hardest part because we were in like New Zealand area, a few of the islands over there. And uh, the sun was setting, sun was coming up at 5 a.m. And the sun was setting at anywhere between 7 and 8.30 p.m. based on where we were at, how far away we were from the equator. And uh, coming back, that, that's definitely, again, yet the hardest adjustment because you're right, it, it is gray, like it's raining yesterday, raining today, but that's fine. I went to the grocery store and picked up my stuff and got a little wet, but no big deal. But, you know, it's when I look outside and 
I just start my Twitch stream, which is at like two or three o'clock and it's completely dark outside. I'm like, okay, like, you know, what, 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 what can I do? And you, you can't do anything. You don't even want to leave the house. You know, people talk about the Seattle freeze and it's not that it's cold. It's just that it's three o'clock and it's completely dark and no one wants to do anything. Right. It's, it's the darkness up here. The rain you can handle, just go outside and it's fine. It's the darkness that you just have to you snuggle up at home and you work on your Twitch stream. Or in my case, you just watch TV, but and you just wait for springtime. Yeah, yeah. But you don't have to wait long because there's a whole bunch of new stuff. How about you kick off the new releases, Matt? Let's get into it. Yeah, this came out, I think it was last week, Visual Studio 2019, 16.4. And you know what? A big GA announcement in there, James, that doesn't seem like it was GA because it's been in there forever. XAML Hot Reload. Yeah. And that... It was just behind a little checkbox check before. Now it's in there for GA. It's in there for good. It's never, ever going to go away. It wasn't going away before, but now it's it's there for everybody to use and love and enjoy. And it's who doesn't like it? Yeah, it's Nobody. in there and on by default and boom. Yeah, that, that's kind of nice. And I know some people are like, I don't know if I want to check the checkbox. I'm like, oh, geez, just check it. Just do it. You know, and then but now you don't have to. It's already checked for you. It's, so. it's already checked. And that's the problem. The checkbox was kind of hidden in that you had to go way, scroll way down to the bottom. But now you don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, another thing that we released in 16.4 is uh, Android App Bundle Publishing. And um, so this is kind of cool in that... Um, the app bundles, when you release them to the Android store, you used to, it used to be big, right? It had to include all your localization in there. Now it's going to automatically slim it down for you. That way, when you're releasing to like the US, it's just the US stuff in there. Whereas if you're releasing, let's say to Germany, it has just the German stuff in it. Um, and, and a whole bunch of other um, slimming down and, and bundle publishing stuff for you there. So we'll include, include in the show notes a Xamarin show that you did about this and um it's definitely something to check out there so yeah it's super it's super important and i enabled it already on my hanselman forms application i've been building and you can you can make the adjustments inside of uh inside of azure devops or app center already today you can just like check a few things it's really easy to do via command line we have um ways of doing it and then publishing that bundle and the nice part is like even if your app isn't too big, the beautiful part about app bundles is that it just makes them smaller anyways, because it creates the the package for your users on demand, like you're saying. So if they are only have Eng- English language, it only downloads that. But more importantly, all of your images and assets and everything like that. So you can see huge reductions and you might be saying, well, I'm not using tons of stuff. Well, the bigger part are like third-party libraries or just runtime, like native libraries. So when you ship an app, you ship like a, a the the Xamarin you know runtime for your app, the Mono runtime, and maybe you're using Skia Sharp, so you have a Skia Sharp lib. Well, you normally bundle everything together, and and there's multiple architectures for your apps, like ARM x86 and 64-bit versions. Those all get jammed together, and that can that can be a few megs. That could be 10 megs, right? But if you put in an app bundle, it, it, the app store, the Google Play Store will tell you, that, like, hey, what's actually delivered to your user is not 20 megs, it's 10 megs. And, like, that's mind-blowing. 
Yeah, that's a big deal. And uh, that's something at least you don't really think about and on the surface. You At least I or think about images or resource files, but the architecture stuff underneath that you don't have to think about every day when you're developing, that's, a, that's really nice that we now have that within uh, Visual Studio. Mm-hmm. So, and another more Android goodness, we can't stop with the Android stuff, is um, Android X Migration Wizard. Now, is it Android X or Android 10? I mean, what are we calling that? That's Android X. X. Android X? Okay. Yeah. I try. And um, so as I understand it, James, and now correct me if I'm wrong here with Android X, is that it provides, it's like the next iteration of the Android support libraries. Mm -hmm. Is that? Basically. Basically. And um, so it's better, I guess, easier to understand what the support libraries are doing than they're they're easier, better named. And... um, so what the, this migration wizard is going to do is that it's going to help you, well, migrate from your older support libraries over to the new Android X ones. And yeah, we, we the new libraries are out. They're better named. And the I believe that migration wizard right now is still in experimental. Is that correct? But um, you do have uh, John Dick and you did another Xamarin show on it. We have a blog on it, too. And um, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out again. So if they improve your or your Android experience. Yeah, and, and I think Android X is really important if you start to use third-party libraries that have a requirement on them. So usually what I like to say is, if, if nothing's broken, don't try to go off and fix it or break it. Just you know, continue on, continuing on. Uh, and the cool thing about how the Android X migration wizard works is it, does like a, a marrying like John John Dick goes into the details of, on the on the blog post and on the the video, but it does a it does a, a merging of old libraries and new libraries and even if you have packages like Xamarin Forms that are not using Android X, it will upgrade those automatically. So you have a bunch of DLLs and they're all combined together, and it does a bunch of swizzling magic under the hood to to upgrade your 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 libraries without having to change code. But you can still actually change the code. So if you had an Android app and you needed to use these libraries or there's a new feature you wanted to do, then you would you would upgrade. Um, and there'll probably be a point in time where we push a lot harder on the Android X migration for developers. Um, but I think even with support libraries, no one liked ever updating support libraries, right? Like no one wanted to do it. And, and, and even I, at some point, would just get upset about it because they were so <laughs> stable. And I was like, okay, everything's fine. I don't need anything new especially when you're using Xamarin Forms, it's like, well, Xamarin Forms needs to worry about it, right? Because they're the ones using all this stuff. I'm just using Xamarin Forms. But um, often if you're using some third-party libraries, they might update this. So um, the nice thing with the Migration Wizard, which I've tried, is it just automatically figures out all the packages that it needs to install for you automatically, which, and it does it correct. It doesn't change your code, but it does like change your libraries. And um, that's, that's quite nice. So you can give it a try. I've, I've done it. It works. It it works. I, I did it. So, what more can you ask for that it works, right? And yes. <laughs> and speaking else about what else about changing libraries and it works. Something else came out, James, and it's that's right. And it's big, right? It's big. Xamarin Forms four dot four. Uh, you know, I just came back from holiday. I was doing a live stream earlier this week, and I upgraded everything to four dot three, and then. I was like, oh, I want to use a new feature of 4.4. And I, and I use 4.4. And then a day later, it's stable. And I was like, that's great. Um, 
And uh, yeah, there's a bunch of things in here. Now, I'll, I'll mention that a lot of the big features are still under feature flag. They're like nearing finalization, um, but they're totally worth looking at. And, and a lot of this one had tons of Hacktoberfest enhancements, which we'll talk about later on in the pod. Uh, but one of the bigger features is some GIF support or GIF support, however you want to pronounce it. I say GIF. I Me say too. GIF. Hard G. GIF. Um, support in there, which is cool. And uh, what's nice is that you can also tell it um, a Boolean for is playing animation. So you can say true or false to start and stop animations, um, which is nice. So it's just an image. It's not a special image. It's not like a GIF image. It's just an image and you give it a GIF and it works and you're done pretty much. And that's it. Like, I like that. I like that. It's like it's a whole feature, but also it's just the control st- still, you know, um, right. I like that. Uh, some other things. So the next three all sort of are paired together, which I like, which is um, carousel view, indicator view, and a brand new view, which I'm super stoked for, which is swipe view. So carousel view, we've talked about for whatever on the podcast, I think. It's been a while that we've been talking about it. So Yeah, because it, it, it came out with collection view and collection view is finally stabilized and it's it's, it's it was in stable 4.3 and I think Carousel View wanted to become 4.4 stable, but you know, we was looking at finalizing a few little tiny little bits. And I, I started using it in my in my stream and I was super impressed. And uh, the feedback why the the team I was I was listening to Paul and David um and on some of the calls with some some um developers and MVPs, they're like, well, wait, but I but I need it to do this and I need it to do this and I need it to do this and I need an indicator view and these little dots, you know, and I said, okay, well, we could put it out. Like the team, the team, I think was like, well, we could put it out, but then it may not feel like finished, you know? So I think they, you know, it's, it's better to get it right than to rush it out. But if you want to use it, what I love is that it's just a feature flag. So you don't need a special package. You just install 4.4 and you can globally just turn these things on. So you can just globally now say device dot have, what is it? Device dot set flags. And then you give it a, a list of of strings and that's it and then you just turn it on and boom done and and that's nice so carousel view builds on top of collection view it lets you swipe through basically a, it's a carousel of things and then indicator view is actually a separate control and uh i, I used this and, and it worked it was cool and it's a community pr and it gives you those little dots you know, you know i'm talking about little dots basically underneath yep it lets you know how many like photos or whatever that you have in the carousel view how many items yeah yeah. And they made it a separate control. So you're in control of positioning it. And when you think about it, I was like, man, why is this a separate control? I just, you know, and I thought about it. It's like, oh, well, I've seen indicator views like on top of images, on the bottom, sometimes on the top, some, you know, you know, whatever. So it has circles and squares built in. I don't know if you can completely customize it, but on the colors, but you can do the size of it basically. And maybe in the future indicator view, since it's its own control, we'll have like a, you know, you could set images or do something like that. I don't know. I mean, you could probably expand it now that it's its own control and then rev it uh, independently, which is kind of nice. So that's really nice uh, there too. Um, so those two are nice combined. Then a brand new one, completely different, is Swipe View. And, and I described it to you earlier. And let's see if you can re-describe it to people, Matt. Yeah, yeah. So let's say you had a list view. Or a collection view, because collection view is going to make you forget all about the list view. 
And each individual item in there is, well, an item that, let's say you want to delete one. And this, you can swipe it over and then it'll delete. So you can swipe to the left or you could swipe to the right as one popular application does. And you have it. it it's there for you. you could put, and you can put this around other things as well. So it just doesn't have to sit in a list view or a collection view. How did I do? That's great. Yeah, you can swipe to the left, swipe to the right, and you have different items for each of them. And uh, it's super duper cool. Yeah, I mean, it's all in there. It's all documented and really, really cool. And I think what's nice is that you can, there's also platform specific like swipe transitions that you can use for like iOS and and Android too. So you can enable some additional swipe modes and things like that. So I, I also like that this is a, separate control you just wrap it right it's very very much like the uh refresh view was it was a separate control and i i was telling david the other day i was like man i just i was i've been talking about you know how hopefully like you know with more community contributions and, and more controls now that you know forms had stabilized so long ago it's like add more stuff and then i came back and i saw this and i was like oh there's new stuff like there's just new stuff all the time and i love it so uh, i love seeing new controls so uh, really really cool uh, to see, um, to see this one in there. I'm going to definitely be using that and just more controls. I'm all about more controls. Yeah. That one took me totally by surprise. I had no idea where that came from. And, um, yeah, I'm looking at the blog posts that we're going to put out for Xamarin Forms 4.0 and talking about the swipe view. Where did the characters come from when we're talking about here, like jiggly puff and what are these James? It's not, this looks like something that you'd be totally into. Yeah, so I like the sample because it's all Smash Brother characters, fighters. So oh, okay. It's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I didn't make that sample, but it's a really cool sample. I think it was probably from like Hectoberfest or something like that. So that was a nice. That was a cool one. I like it. So yeah, it's good stuff. Those are the new releases. So you can go update 16.4, grab it, Xamarin 4.4, go get it, make it happen. Sweet. You know what else you should go make happen? Is this great website called Snippets. I think that's how you're going to pronounce it, Snippets. It's uh, run by, yeah, one of the great community members, um, Steven Thwiesen. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. And uh, what it is, is just this um, website that has great UI samples for you to download to make your applications look great. So it's like Xamarin Forms samples that you can just go pick out your different categories like UIs or login screens or or what have you. And so what we had there was a community challenge run around that. So you can go in and then submit your own great looking UIs for it. And so we have a blog post where we announced the community challenge for it. And then we um, Stephen went and had a wrap up post around it. And the wrap up post is pretty cool because uh, our own Kim Philippops pots, uh, put a post in and uh, it was like a Marvel comics superhero browser. And this thing looks mm-hmm. amazing. And, uh, but there's also other ones in there too is, and may, I'm going to say that maybe they're more functional, um, like more for like forms over data. And they're great too, because I, they'll have uh, graphs in there, little charts in there too, as well. And just kind of give you inspiration on how to um, create your user interfaces. So it's really cool stuff. Um, take a peek at it, and we'll put them in the show notes. And yeah, super cool. And um, I actually just wrote a blog post 
And I used for my UI stuff off of snippets and it looks way, way better than it would have ever done had I had I had to do it myself. That's pretty cool. I like that. I like that. It's uh yeah, right in there and grab a bunch of stuff. I'm I'm guilty of not putting or putting anything in there, but I need to. I need to need to take one of my UIs. I'm just like, I don't know if it's good enough to do a UI, but I'm I'm finishing the podcast ones. I think that might be a good like here's a podcast album basically that you know if you have a yeah, podcast episode or MP3 episode and just plop it in there. So just very simple, grab some stuff and, and go. I, I like that. So I might, might put that in there. So that's what I love that it's broken down in a certain area. So if you know what you're looking for or they know what you want, log in screen. Yeah, well, there you go. I like it. Talking about other challenges, the Hacktoberfest, which you mentioned earlier, which was October, but there was November. Now it's December, but uh, it takes some time to put all this stuff together. And the uh, Hacktoberfest awards were given out in mid-November. Some trophies, some swag, and stuff still being sent out. It takes some time. Uh, some t-shirts, a bunch of good stuff. And a bunch of that stuff was in Xamarin Forms 4.4. So there was a bunch of other things in there from the community um, that we didn't mention yet. So I'm going to save them t- for now. But there are some new scaling animations. So Scale X2, Scale Y2 by Steven Thweeson. Um, letter spacing uh, by K. Semenko, placeholder text alignment by K.R. DeMiller, uh, and, and using name sizes with font image source, which is very, very nice by Tuyin Vuduk. And there was other tons of great improvements as well um, in there. There's a whole blog post. There was, I think, 30, um, four, 178 pull requests by 72 contributors. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and what I loved about the uh, winners—I'm not—they're not winners. The people who well, they're everybody was a winner, but the people who contributed the most actually got like what were they plaques? These glass trophies. That was that's pretty cool. Yeah, there was 15 individuals that did. I think submitted more than one PR. There was 15 of those individuals, and then on top of that, there were six individuals that did more than 10 pull requests and yeah, they get those shiny trophies customized for them, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's amazing. You know what else is amazing? What? Collection view. It is. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It'll make you forget all about the list view. (laughs) I say that every time when I get that tattooed across my forehead, collection view, it'll make you forget all about the list view. Um, so David Ortnow did a blog post, and this is a great blog post, like five quick tips for the collection view. And, and I actually had a tip in there that I had no idea about, and I tweeted about it yesterday, and um, I'll get to it in just a second. But um, I'll go over the five quick tips really quickly here. Um, so what it is is that he gives us a, an idea on how you can go through and load infinite items you can be setting a property that when you get to the end of let's let's say you have 10 items in there currently that it fires and you can get more um, items out there so think of like twitter when you're scrolling through and you want to get more items mm-hmm. it'll call out um then let's say if you're if you have it scrolling like left or right and you want to snap an item to position so it's like Instead of scrolling freely amongst a bunch of things, you just bring it in one thing to the time. It's so it's like a hard snap shows you how to do that. Collection view by itself doesn't have a concept of separators, like to separate items in the view. Well, add a box view to do that. So you go over that. And the one I didn't know about was um 
if you just need to navigate between screens when you're using a collection view just to display items, I was always under the impression that we should be using the uh, selection changed mm-hmm. uh, command or event. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> Use a tap gesture recognizer. It, sh- it makes sense, but I wasn't doing that before. And I actually put it in the partly cloudy show to be using the selection change events. It's like, uh-oh. So I'm going to have to do a wrap-up wrap up episode at the end where I where I correct that. And uh, yeah. And so the fifth, the fifth, uh, the fifth tip was to, uh, to to increase a little speed performance is to use um, measure first item. Like if all your items are going to be the same size, if you do the measure first item strategy to um, or your size sizing strategy just to measure first item, you can tell the collection view, all right, just measure this one and use all the rest to be the same as that first one. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And um, it's really helpful. Just five quick tips, it's like a five-minute read. And uh, it should help you out pretty pretty good when you're using a collection view. I think so. Um, it's super duper nice. And yeah, I was I also use selection changed. So don't don't worry. It's okay. I, I believe many people do. And the the reason I think selection change is more of your you are maybe turning on and off like a multi-selection. Like if you had a little circle and then you tapped on it or whatever and enabled that and you want to know when they've tapped on or selected so many of them. And um, I guess you could have done this on the list view, but I always felt list view selection change was natural because it's one at a time. But the idea of of collection view is that there's multiple rows and columns often. So I I guess there's no reason not to use a tap gesture because you can also do the relative source binding so if you have a um uh, an item you can easily set up a tap gesture recognizer to um to basically call your view model command so i'm going to go update that in the handsome informs app actually and, and do that so uh, it's a good blog post i love i love this blog post because it, it enables me at any time to like just go back and at least get to the documentation or um, you know, just figure out what I could be doing a little bit better. So that's a good one. And I even wrote another one because I figured what's five tips without a sixth tip. And uh, even though mine came out before his blog post, I guess it was it was index zero tip. Um, and uh, I did pull to refresh anything basically in Xamarin Forms because who doesn't love pull to refresh? I've written a thousand blog posts on pull to refresh in my day, and I'm very excited that Refresh View was released in Xamarin Forms 4.3. And this is a separate control that uh, was introduced alongside Collection View because Collection View doesn't have pull to refresh because you use a refresh view because a refresh view can pull to refresh anything. And um, uh, not anything, actually. It just works with um, Collection View, List View, Scroll View, and Web View, things that are scrollable. <laughs> and uh, you just wrap your collection view in a refresh view. And and it's nice because you can control the colors a lot more. You still have your is refreshing command. You have your command that gets executed. Um, and it's very nice. I, I show how to do this basically inside the blog post. And it even works with UWP. So it works with UWP uh, refresh inside of it, um, which is super duper cool. So you can even set the pool direction of it and things like that. So um, super duper nice. Yeah, give that a give that a look if you're like, oh, how do you do it again? And it's all super well documented because that even works with 
carousel view. I think you can do a pull to refresh on a carousel view too, because like, why not? You know? Nice. And that's just one of those things that you needed to use a lot. And now it's all over the place and it's super easy to use. Cause yeah. And that the blog post I was reading that you, that, that one that you wrote and it's, uh, you go through and you show how to hook it up with a command, which is the way that you should be doing it with MVVM. And it's just, yeah, it's one of those point zero to David's, to David's blog posts. And uh, yeah, super sweet. Love it. James, how do you feel about serverless? I love serverless. I'm a big fan of the serverless. I write everything serverless. See, that's what I love about um, serverless is that I think it's a great, if you're doing something from scratch, like a Greenfield project, I think it makes a great web API rather mm-hmm. than like your traditional .NET web API, um, mainly because you can scale it down to zero. And if nobody's using it, you don't get charged for it. So that's yeah. not that nobody will be using your applications, but, you know, just in case. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, there's a, a, a cloud native show that um, Jeff Holland, who's um, like the face of serverless here at Microsoft, it goes out and explains how serverless fits in with cloud native technology. And so we kind of talked about cloud native previously on, on a podcast here. And um, everybody kind of thinks of cloud native as like containers and Kubernetes and a bunch of other stuff that really may or may not apply to the mobile developer, but serverless totally does. And think of cloud native as things that couldn't exist without the cloud. And so Jeff goes through, talks about it, how it really makes sense. And really, serverless dynamically scales and it can support massive amounts of users. And in the show, it's really cool. He shows it going up from this serverless app from zero to thousands of users and within a couple seconds and it, it works. And so it's just cool to see. And so like everybody's apps here are going to be supporting millions of users at a time. Serverless would be a great backend for it. So yeah, I like that. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll have to watch that too because I've been thinking about. I'm about to start on this, on this app that I've been building, a little admin website, and I've been thinking about building a a Blazor app for the web portion of it. Little, I just want an admin page so Hanselman can go in and uh, update featured items that are on the on the on the app, right? Because I need a little admin portal for that, and I store all my data in. Uh, Azure Functions and in blob storage. So I pull all that data down, but I need a way to upload photos. And I was like, you know what I should do is create an Azure function that takes in a blob and then writes that blob to blob storage all with connectors. It'd be super duper easy instead of having to do tons of SDKs and authentication and all this stuff. And I was like, let the function do it, right? Um, and do an authentication level. So you know, only whoever logs in or whatever can access the website or whatever and the, and the backend. And um, I thought that would be kind of cool. And then basically the entire website and mobile app and authentication, like everything is handled by a function. And then yeah, it's if I wrote a Blazor client, like you know, WebAssembly version, then there would still be no web server, right? And it'd only be Azure Functions. Like when you went to the website, it would only install the or update, like open the WebAssembly portion of it on demand. So like, but they're really minimizing my server costs. So it'd be kind of cool. Yeah, and that's you kind of alluded to another thing that's really cool about Azure Functions is that the connection to like blob storage that you don't have to maintain the 
connection at all that functions is going to do it for you and it's going to pass that client in for you as a parameter yeah so it just happens and you don't have to worry about maintaining it you don't have to worry about newing anything up it just happens and super duper nice the runtime makes life easy super cool so yep um have you heard about these uh, azure core sdks I heard a little bit about them and I was at Ignite and there was an Azure SDKs booth uh, that I sat across from uh, most most of the day when I was running the booth over there and I got to understand a little bit of what they're doing. But why don't you tell me a little bit more? Yeah. So essentially what we're doing when I say we, the team, is um, making the various SDKs for various services, so like storage service or authentication service uniting them to make them, I guess, a smoother experience for developers. That way, if you're using one, the other ones will be more familiar to you. Mm. That's, that's in one sentence, that's a 50,000 foot overview. I like it. And um, yeah. And so what I'm going to do is put in the show notes here, a couple different shows, the uh, on.net show, where um, our good friend Cecil Phillip goes over and uh, interviews several members of the team on the uh, on the Azure SDK team about what they're doing. And they dive in a little bit deeper about it. Um, one will be just like the Azure Core SDK, which core means the core to all of them. And another one, my favorite, the Azure Identity SDK. And um, what's cool about the Identity SDK is still depends on MCell underneath. So MCell is not going anywhere, which is great. But uh, it really unifies the way that we do authentication between um like dev and prod where you don't have to change any code at all. And um, it's, it's super sweet. It's something to check out if you're, uh, if you're rolling your own um, authentication scheme. So I'll, I'll link to those in the show notes and yeah, it's, it's something to check out and they're, they're hot off the presses too. Very nice. I'll have to take a look at them for sure. Nice. Yeah. So, you know what? It's our second favorite time of the pod. Azure what's Service this? of the Month. <laughs> I was going to say, what's that? I was like, the whole thing is my favorite, Matt. The whole thing is my right, favorite. Right, right. <laughs> Azure Service of the Month. What do you got for us? All right. One of your, uh, maybe this might be your favorite Azure Service, DevOps. Mm, I do like DevOps. Yep. So normally, I, I last couple of times I've been picking, what I'll say is uh, more foundational services, uh, Azure Content Delivery Network and Azure Storage. I figured this time I'll use a bigger, more higher level one in DevOps. And I know you've been doing a lot of, um, you and Abel Wang had a show on DevOps, a couple, couple like five or six episodes. You mm-hmm. did a mobile DevOps. I've been doing a couple talks on DevOps and I love it. I totally, totally love it. Um, so DevOps obviously is CICD, continuous integration, continuous deployment, um, Delivery, uh, as Donovan Brown likes to say, it's continuous delivery of value, which I think is a great definition of it. And so what Azure DevOps does, it lets you create a build pipeline. So various different steps that you can put together and it'll build your, let's say, Xamarin app. So you can say, all right, I want to download my NuGets. I want to build my app. I want to sign that APK file. And then eventually I want to distribute it somehow, whether that's via App Center or actually via Azure DevOps itself and distribute it to like internal testers or even out to the Google Play Store. And so it's cool. You go step by step by step and then it's repeatable. You don't have to worry about doing it over and over again. And what's even better, 
iOS, especially that signing and provisioning step where you can upload all your certs and your uh, provisioning profile, get it set up once, don't worry about it anymore. And um, other things, I know you have uh, some DevOps, we'll call them extensions, where you can in- increment the uh, info P list number, the build numbers automatically, or if we can change, like if we're on a development branch, mm. change the name of the app so it says Hanselman Beta, let's say, if for when we're testing the Hanselman app and you just distribute it to internal testers. So it's really extensible and it's um, super duper cool. And it can do more than just build pipelines, I should say. That's all I'm thinking of. You can have source repos in there. You can have um, Azure Boards, which is like a work tracking system. What else am I missing? There's, it's really, it's full feature. So, but I, I love it for the builds. That's, that's what I'm coming for. Yeah. That's what I use it for a lot too. And you can really, you can do a lot more with it too. If you're working on a really private project and you want everything in one place, you can put your source code in there, um, which, which is really nice. Or you can link it to GitHub or Bitbucket or anything for your build. So whatever you're working on and that pulls it all in. So there's a lot of, a lot of nice stuff in there. That is for sure. So I'm, I'm a big fan. Like I said, yeah, definitely link to that whole blog series or the video series because uh, yeah, that was sure. pretty nice. So I think it's uh, the time of the time of the pod, the pick of the pod. What do you got for us, Matt? What is your pick of the pod? My pick of the pod. Well, I changed it during the episode here. Oh, my goodness. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say the snippets website. I love it, but I talked about it quite a bit during the episode itself. Right. Mm-hmm. So I am going to go with. And you might have picked this a while ago. I think you might have. But um, this package called Steak Squid. You familiar with it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. I um, just used it for the first time about a week ago. Oh, cool. And uh, what it does is, um, let's say you are doing some loading of, like, downloading from, let's say, some data from an Azure function. Mm-hmm. And it'll change your... It'll automatically display a loading screen for you. Oh, cool. And then you just swap over. You bind to a parameter on your um, MB, on your view model. And then once you're done binding there, it gives you a uh, state parameter or a state object. Bind back to say empty or none. I, offhand, I forget what it is. And it... um changes it back to actually displaying like your list. What's cool though, what I really love about it is, is that it provides a skeleton view, which um, what the skeleton views are, they're all the rage. And it's just like the thing that it looks like what you're displaying, but it's like blanked out and they're kind of flashing left to right. And um, yeah, skeleton views are awesome. And that's the reason why I came to State Squid, and it's so easy to use. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, it, yeah, it gave my app a really cool, polished look, and I didn't have to do hardly any work at all. Very nice. I'm gonna use that. Um, there's always so many things I want to use, but I think now I have yet another thing to add to my Hanselman Forms app on uh, on Friday uh, when this podcast comes out. So I need to go. I need to go update it again. Oh, geez, so many things to do. Ah, oh my goodness. That's awesome. Well, my pick of the pod, funnily enough, was I was working on 
my app yet again. Uh, uh, I work on this app, this this handsome app. It's, it's pretty complex now. It has videos and audio and Azure function backends and Twitter integration and all, all sorts of stuff. And, um, and it uses all these new controls, collection view and carousel view and list views and, and, and all the things. And, uh, and I, and I was doing this featured item. I keep talking about this as a new feature I want to do, which is often you see, like when you go to the app store, you go to somewhere it's like, these are the, the highlighted things and you swipe through them in a carousel view left and right. And I wanted a way for, uh, to display like the latest podcast or latest, um, anything really, to be honest with you. And, uh, what I needed was some dummy data cause I didn't finish the back end yet. And I didn't want to write like a JSON blob and pull it down. And, um, it's easy to put default dummy images in your application. So I already had this image in there, which was of Scott's face. So I, was, I wanted to flip through a, a series of Scott's faces in this, in this dummy data, but I also needed text and, I didn't want the text to be 100% the same over and over again. And, you know, you basically at that point would want to use some like lorem ipsum, right? Everyone loves lorem ipsum, right? It's all the time everyone's using it. And um, like, uh, I was like, okay, well, how do I get lorem ipsum into my app? And I could go to the lorem ipsum website and, and copy and paste a bunch of strings. But I want it to be dynamic. I want it to be different and kind of explore this. And a year ago, uh, it was my holiday Christmas hack. <laughs> I created a library. I totally forgot about it called Jeffsum. And uh, this was inspired by uh, a website called jeffsum.com, which is a website that enables you to generate Jeff Goldblum placeholder text uh, because everybody loves Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) So um, the Sean who created this, Sean Halpin, he originally created the website and a JavaScript package. Someone else created a JavaScript package. Well, I wanted a, a, a .NET package. So I created jeffsum.net, which is on NuGet <laughs> and Azure DevOps. <laughs> and uh, it's a very simple .NET standard library. And you just um, say, you say goldbloom.receivethejeff. And that's that's what the API is. And you say how, how much... How many words, quotes, or paragraphs would you like? And it gives you back an I enumerable. So I'm, I'm using this and I just grab a quote. So I, every single little item in my list has a different quote of of, uh, of Jeff Goldblum, which is uh, pretty great. So <laughs> it's pretty. That's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty fantastical. It's a, it's a really, it's a very easy library to like the whole library is a hundred lines of code, but it, it loads all the Jeff Goldblum quotes from a csv file so i parse the csv file like as well and then grab all this it's pretty pretty fantastical so um anyways that's the uh that's the jeffsum so jeffsum.net cool give it a give it a look (laughs) yeah oh man i love life that's great (laughs) (laughs) there you go all right well we did it we made it through another podcast matt i hope that you have a fantastic holiday Enjoy the Pacific Northwest and all its beauty. Do it. You too, James. This is love it up here. So beautiful. Yes. Everyone have a great holiday and we will see you in 2020. 2020 for our second continuous year. That's right. All right. Bye.